Theology of Sexuality series next week. So there I said it. So that means we're starting. Here we go. Um, last week we were talking about um, out of Ephesians about being members of one another and uh, the fact that there is church membership because the scriptures say when we come to Christ, um, we become members of one another. Um, we can either do that well or we can do it poorly, but we are members. Um, and we've been joined together. Um, that includes um, all believers um, and even those gathering outside of this place. Um, includes God's bigger kingdom work um, in this city, um, here in Tucson. Um, and then, of course, just like the scriptures talk, goes out and out and out and out. Um, but we have a particular responsibility here. And it requires, I think I, I stated this last week, that for God's kingdom work to be accomplished, I mean, God can do whatever he wants, but in his word he's laid out that his work is accomplished by the joining of all the members of one another to carry out his work. And, um, and although locally we do certain things as a church, um, the idea that a, one church is to carry out God's work separated from the rest of the believers and God's work um, is, doesn't have a place in Scripture at all. And we have to begin to um, grow in understanding both our calling and our responsibilities here, but our connections with other believers and God's work in that. And he, when he says he joins the pieces together so that each part works, that happens here in a microcosm, but this is only one piece of those joining parts. And there's all these different ministries and believers and churches here in Tucson and spreading out that are all part of that joining together in his work. And we have to begin to see that kind of a work rather than just our own work um, here in this place. So I wanted to um, pick up on that this week and enlarge that a little bit. Um, so we're going to uh, go back a couple chapters, Ephesians chapter 2 um, tonight, beginning with verses 19 through 22. Um, and I'll go ahead and read those verses. Ephesians chapter 2, 19 through 22. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Lord, I would just ask that you would um, do a work in us as we were just praying. Um, but I ask that you would, um, any barriers that we have in our hearts, in our minds, in our church, um, in our understanding of the kingdom, that give us a small view of your work and a, a narrow view of just our participation, that you would begin to enlarge that so we could see this great and grand scheme of work that you're doing in our midst and in the city and that would invest us more into the parts that you give to us so thank you for drawing us into that in jesus name amen i think i might have shared a little bit of the story before but when i was um i think i was let's see my brother chuck was ninth grade at the time and he's four years older than with me so i was what fifth grade or something sixth grade uh a friend of the family, uh, his name was Jim, uh, played basketball and swam with my brothers and uh, had a large family. They were not believers. 
big house, and um, my brother was over at his house one night, and there was a house fire. Um, and they got it out, but the whole house was burned up um, and destroyed. So Jim had kind of shown up at our, I mean, he's a friend of the family, so he'd, he'd show up near, here and there. But he uh, came and lived with us because their house was messed up and not livable. And so all the different kids went different places while they were rebuilding their home. And Jim uh, lived with us for, I think it was six months, six or seven months, um, lived with us. And uh, one thing that my mom made it really clear right off the start when he first came was that he wasn't a guest, um, but that he was, he was a member of our family when he came. Um, and by that, that meant he also got to do the vacuuming chores like everybody else did. And he had to pick up and do those things. Um, and when he acted like my brother, he'd get in trouble, you know, those kinds of things. So those kind of rules all applied to him. But he was also was cared for and brought in and entered in and loved um, like a member of the family, like part of our family. Um, so he'd go on our vacations with us, went to church with us. Um, we prayed as a family together. And... Uh, he experienced something that he had not experienced in his own home. Um, and he ended up coming to Christ and, and made a big change. And it was, it's a great story how it works out. But drawn in and made part of our household with all the things. And so this morning, tonight, um, we're in Ephesians 2 here. We're talking about being made members um, and drawn in and um, received into the very household and the very family of God himself. And so we're going to look at exactly what does that mean, and we're going to do so by looking at what we once were when we were outside the household, and then what we are now that we're in the household of God. So, Mike, you can bring up the next one. Prior to this, it's what we were is where we start, what we were. It says in here in verse 19, it says, You are no longer, you are no longer, strangers and aliens. You're no longer strangers and aliens. That tells me before I came to Christ, there was something that was true about me. I was a stranger and I was an alien um, in that place. And there's three things that stand out to me about what it means to be a stranger and an alien. The first one is that you are alone. The first thing is that we were alone. Strangers come to a place and they don't know anybody. And nobody knows them, and in most places, nobody pays attention to them. And so they move through the place all by themselves. Um, it's interesting, in the Old Testament, uh, they had strict, uh, they had a bunch of different laws that were designed to protect and encourage and welcome strangers, because stepping into the life of strangers reflects the heart of God. And yet the scriptures tell us that before Christ, we were strangers. We're strangers in the sense that we were outside of God's work, his kingdom, this, this, this uh, family that he had created. We were outside of that place. Um, because of the sin of Adam, we're separated, and so we go through a life that he had created in a world that God had created, and yet we're strangers in that place. Um, nobody knows us. Um, we, you feel like you don't belong. I remember the first time going to Ellis Junior High School. I was bused into the school um, at seventh grade, and I walked into this enormous junior high school, and it was terrified, and I didn't know anybody. And I remember getting lost the first few days. It was like a six-story building, and my locker was down in this corner, this dark corner by the shop, which was a scary place anyways. And I just remember walking through there, and you had this sinking feeling in your stomach of, I don't belong here. 
and nobody is talking to me, and I just, I don't want to be here. And it says that before Christ, we were alone. Being a stranger, we are alone, moving through things. We're apart. Um, as I said, it's primarily meant that they were outside of God's people and God's plan. Um, Paul speaks it, that they're out, he looks at it from a different way, that they're outside of God's redemptive people, which he calls, says that we are part of, um, and that we need to be part of that. Um, to be brought in means to be with God in that sense. And we're designed to go through life not as strangers to God, but as his fellow companions along with him. That he goes with us. Um, and most of us know what it means, at least on some occasions, to be really alone. So we know a bit about what it means to be a stranger. Second of all, it says if we were not just alone, but we were alienated. The word aliens, alienated, means um, one thing to be a stranger where nobody's interacting and you're filled by yourself. It's another thing where people actually take you and press you out and press you to the edge, which is what alienated be. They come in, they want to be apart, but they're kept out and alienated for a variety of reasons to be pressed out. And that's the word here for aliens. It's, um, it goes further than just being a stranger. We're, we're blocked from entering in. Scriptures tell us that before Christ, we were blocked from entering in because of sin, which Jesus came to remove the veil so we could enter in and not be aliens. But before that, before we come to that, we're outside. We're blocked from moving in closer. Sin in our hearts, um, it alienates us from what? It alienates us from God? There's this gulf, and I can't, I can't bridge it, so I'm, I'm set apart. It alienates it from my own self. I don't even see myself correctly. I can't see my sin. I can't see my waywardness. I don't understand my own heart. And it alienates us from one another, just like Adam and Eve when they covered themselves because there was suddenly this separation between them where before that there had been intimacy. And so he says, you were beforehand alone, like strangers, but you were alienated. There was this gulf. And you, you couldn't bridge it in your part, and you're blocked from entering in. So we're set apart. Strangers and aliens, what do strangers and aliens do when they enter a town? And they have no place. You wander. You tend to wander. Um, and that's the third thing. We're alone. We're alienated. And it says here that we were adrift. Um, remember the scriptures where Jesus, he looks out and he says, he sees all the people and they're harassed. And they were distressed, and they were like sheep without a shepherd. The idea of aimlessness, a, a drifting through things without a sense of purpose or direction or anyone to come along and, and walk with them, to even, even if they don't know where they're going, to at least be with them. They don't have that. So it says that we were adrift. Um, we're lost in false plans. We have uh, misguided designs of our own. Our purposes get misdirected. And we, we are outside the flow and direction and plans and purposes and intents of the heart of God. And we're outside of that. And so what do we do out there? We just drift. We drift. People, people that don't know Christ may not realize they're drifting, but that's what we do. We drift through life, and, and most of us understand that and have experienced that. One of my favorite books is called Adrift, <laughs> of all things. Um, it's uh, this guy, Steve Callahan. Um, he was sailing, and his boat got struck by something, and he jumped in his raft, and he floated from, like, the Canary Islands area um, all the way, ended up in the Bahamas, washed up on the beach in his raft. He was alone for 76 days in his raft. So the whole book's about his experience of, in his raft. Um, I love that book. But anyways, it's a horrible book, but it's, I love it. Um, but the, the interesting thing about it, he's in this raft, 
And um, he's, at least he's floating, but he has no control. Um, he can't direct it at all. You can't, you can't decide, I'm going to go to this place. He's at the mercy of the current, um, which would take him eventually to where he needed to go, these islands, someday if he got there. But wave, these huge waves that start coming, like, and they would just take it and they would roll the raft over it, and they would just like do a somersault, and he would just be somersaulting these waves, and then it would come up again, or huge winds would come and they'd blow him off. Several times he could see ships in the distance because he started getting near the shipping lanes, but then the wind would shift, and his raft would just drift further and further away so they couldn't uh, spot him at all. And um, this sense of, of hopelessness because it's, you're just drifting and you have no control over that. And here in the scripture, he says, you are, no long, you are no longer strangers and aliens. He wants us to understand, before we can understand what it means to be part of God's family, we've got to remember what was true before. And what we were, we were alone, and we were alienated, and we were drifting. We were adrift. The great news is that as believers in his word, uh, we have an answer to that. We have a, there's a remedy for that, the scriptures make very clear. Um, and as, as people like us move through things, alienated and alone and adrift, we can step in and go, there's an answer for that. And it completely takes those three things and shifts them completely around to something completely different. Um, we, we're called to step in and have the privilege of stepping into the lives of men and women who are created in the image of God and yet are missing it experiencing it all together because of this alienation and this drifting. And we've experienced what that changes. And so Paul continues on here as he says, you're no longer strangers and aliens. He says, this is what you were, but he wants us to know. So what has changed? What are we now? And this is what he does. He goes, um, what changes? So this is the second part. We are. So we were alone and alienated and adrift, but now we are and something has happened very, very differently. A huge shift and change happens when we come to Christ. The uh, scripture tells us that the old passes away and everything else becomes new, that we're transferred from darkness into light, and something is completely different, and it actually changes the family that we're a part of. And as a result of that, it changes these three things that we are. So we want to look at that as this transfer of households that happens, and it identifies who we are now, and identifies what we are to be about. And there's three ways it's described of this new household that we are now made a part of. It says, first of all, that we're citizens. Before we were alone, now we have become citizens. It says, so you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens. Um, it doesn't say that we get to be citizens someday, or when we die and go to heaven, there will be a citizen. It says, you are fellow citizens. It is something that is true now. When we come to Christ, he changes us, brings us into his household, and we become, at that moment, citizens of God's kingdom, his city, in a sense, um, and become a part of that. Um, the Roman Empire, if you were born into the empire, you were a citizen because you were born there, and it was this um, great privilege, and you had all sorts of um, um, extra benefits just because of that. And in sin, we get we got separate out of that family that we were born into and in Christ we're born back into it and so it says when we come to Christ we become citizens of God's kingdom citizens of God's family um, as it were we belong we have privileges um, and it's the very opposite of being strangers the strangers are the ones who pass through and 
and they don't belong. The citizens, this is their home. This is their ground. This is where they belong and are made to live. It's interesting that the word citizen comes from um, sum, which is the word together. And anybody know their word? It's a word we get politics from. Poites, sum poites. It means together politics, which I don't like that so much, but that's all right. But it's, it actually, the, the word politics comes, the root word is city. So citizen is, comes from together as a city. It's a city that's together. We're together with the city. That's where the word citizen comes from. Um, the idea that we are joined into a city of people is what it means to be a citizen. And so God comes along and he says, when you come to Christ, you become fellow citizens. All those who know Christ get joined into this new city, the city of God um, that he's built. He builds it on Jesus. And if we could expand that, I think then he places us in a city to do a work because there's people that are citizens of a different city, the city that's not of God, and they're wandering and they're adrift, and we have to step in. God's city, wherever it is manifest, um, we are citizens of it, fellow citizens of each other. Wherever God's city, wherever his kingdom is manifest and shown, scriptures tell us that we are members of that city. We are citizens of it. We belong. We've been grafted in. We've been given all the privileges and rights and everything to be there. And I believe that as we look through this, we're going to discover that there is a manifestation because of the Holy Spirit in us of God's city, and it shows up in all different places. Um, wherever God moves. And it shows up here in Tucson. It shows up here in this part of our city. And he calls us to be citizens of that showing of it. Um, I don't know if you've ever been out traveling. How many of you have ever been out traveling and you met somebody from your hometown? Okay, isn't that kind of cool? Like you'd be somewhere and you meet somebody and you're like, oh, you're from that town? It's like, oh. And you immediately start talking, whereas you probably would never talk with that person otherwise. Or you meet somebody who actually went to your, that you graduated from the same school, it doesn't matter if you're 40 years apart and the school had 50,000 people in it. It's like there's this immediate connection, and you talk about it. It's just it's, something happens. And he says to us that we are fellow citizens. And that means that every person who's come to Christ, we all are citizens of the same city. And there's supposed to be the same kind of connection that when we meet another believer, wherever they attend, whatever they're doing, wherever they are, there's supposed to be a connection that happens. We're supposed to see each other as integrally part of the same city of God that we've been called to be citizens of. And I don't, um, I wouldn't go into this, but I don't know what that means for all the separation among churches um, that happens. Um, There's different callings and different works. um, So it's not that sense. So different churches will use different music and that, that ties in with certain people and different callings. But the, the kind of separation where we will not have anything to do with that church. Um, and if, as long as we're grounded on some basic stuff, I, I just really struggle understanding that. Um, where there is a, a, a refusal to acknowledge or participate um, in the life of one another. And the scriptures say that when we come to Christ, we are fellow citizens. It's just a fact. And we have to uh, greet each other in that kind of manner. Um, and connect with each other. So we're, um, we were something, but now we're something different. What we are is we're citizens. Second of all, we're connected. It says here, you are fellow citizens, connection, and you are members of the household of God. 
Um, it says uh, up in verse 19 again, it says, You are fellow citizens with the saints. There's a connection of all the saints together. We are being built into a foundation, um, Jesus himself being the whole cornerstone. It says that the whole structure is being joined together, brought together by Jesus himself, and it grows into a holy temple. Verse 22, it says, In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place. The idea that we are connected so like last week we talked about that. We got all these separate little pieces. We all come to Christ, and Jesus comes along and begins to build those pieces together. That's why First Peter says that we are living stones being built up into a spiritual house. And so he's building these things together, which means I'm no longer alienated, but rather I'm connected. I've been brought in. So actually, God's actually gone out and gotten me and brought me in and connected me up with somebody else. That's, that's his desire. It doesn't always show up. That's what's supposed to show up in our churches, where we're connected. All the saints, fellow citizens, joined together, built together, um, like we looked at last week, united together. Um, and he declares it as a statement of fact. We are connected and being built into each other. And um, like uh, was one song saying, we can resist that, um, or we can join in with that effort of God in building his church. Um, it's a work of the Holy Spirit as he builds these various sh- different shaped living stones. And living implies that we're always changing. So even when you get them to fit, then they're not fitting the next time. But God just keeps working it um, to bring them together. The Holy Spirit connects us. He connects us because of our needs, our common brokenness, our purpose, our focus on our Savior. He brings us together to accomplish his bigger work. So we are fellow citizens. We're all part of the same city, um, all believers. And then he says that we are connected, and God is actively at work at joining us together. And the degree to which we're not connecting, not joining, and there's a sense of um, division and disconnect, um, we are just not paying attention to the Holy Spirit. Because that's his work that he says he wants to do. I, uh, you can tell that on sports teams, one thing you can tell a difference of, you'll see a team that, um, Mike and I were just talking about this the other day, why do some teams seem to work so hard, even if they're real young and aren't very good at stuff? Like you'll see a basketball team, and they're really young, but they work really hard, and they seem to just, they just beat everybody. And then you'll see some other team that they actually have more talent, but they've been around, and they just kind of, I think they're lazy. They don't work it or whatever it is. There's just something about it. And you'll see there's a sense of uh, individuality when you get these superstars together. They just don't work together. And you see in their team, they don't have a superstar. So what do they do? They communicate with each other. And they're, they're, um, they have a sense of common purpose. Um, and uh, there's, there's this dynamic that happens between them that results in success. And yet you can have a team that's got these great superstars, and it's a disaster because they just don't commute. You can just tell they are not playing together on the floor. And um, it sounds terrible, but churches don't play well together. Um, they just don't. Single churches like us don't always play very well together, right? I mean, we've, I've experienced way more of that than I'd ever care to experience again. And then you, you move outside of the church walls here, and they don't do well. They just they, they really struggle, and there's, there's legitimate things to work through. And, um, and, and overcome, but he says that we're supposed to be connected. There's got to be 
and understand that God is at work joining, and it can't just take one group of people, and he's not going to get his work done with that way. He wants to bring his people together across the board. And lastly, here we are called. We are we're citizens, we're connected, and we're called. It says here we're being built together into a dwelling place for God um, by the Spirit. And in the beginning here, it says that we have been made members of the household of God. The, the, the wonder is that I was separated from him, and because of Christ, he, he reaches out and says, I want you to be part of my family. You're going to join my household. You're going to get my name. You're going to receive all the benefits that I have. You're going to get every blessing I could give, and you're going to be embraced in this place. And in that place, as you, I call you into that place, I'm also going to call you into a work because this household has a purpose to it. This household that God says I lead is going to be doing something, and you're going to be a part of that work that I'm doing. So we get called into this household of God, joined into one household of which Jesus is the head and the chief cornerstone that says this. Everything gets its, its, its pulled together here, it says in verse 21. It's joined together because of Jesus bringing it together as the head of the household. And he draws all these people in from all these different places and welcomes them all in and calls them all into himself and cares for them as part of his house and then engages us and sends us out into his work and calling for each of us. We're being built into a holy temple in a dwelling place, and the idea here says it's going to grow. It's going to grow because God's work is a work of growing. Mike, you can go to the uh, the verse, the next verse, on the next slide. I think it's Hebrews, Hebrews three six. Says Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and it's, I love this line. It says we are His house. Isn't that a cool statement. The idea that he calls us to be in his household, his family, and then he calls us his house. There's this thing that happens, um, and it's true of each of us that know Christ, and the people outside these walls that know Christ. As he draws us each together. Um, we are his house. He calls us his household, um, his very place, and in that household, all believers are together far as God's concerned. And in that place, um, everybody has a place at the table. Um, lots, some of us grew up in homes where we had we actually sat down together and we ate together. And um, you had a place at the table. And you weren't always real happy about it, maybe, but it was still your place. And you may not have always liked what was set before you to eat, but it was there. And the fa- my, my dad sat at the head of the table. God sits there. And God has this table. And he calls believers to this table. And he gives us a place at that table. He says, this is yours. This is yours. I prepared this place for you. And we sit there and we look around the table, and it's all sorts of people, and some that we did not expect to be there. And, um, and he brings them all, and he sits at that table with us. And he feasts and he enjoys and he instructs, and he sends us out to do a work. But we are at one table together in his household. It's a table that God sets and a table that God sits at as we are at his house. Um, the great news of this, um, I'm not sure how to get this across. I'm, we, because um, of being part of his household, we belong. We have a place we belong. Um, but it goes out bigger than that because 
I, I get a place I belong, but um, you guys all got a place to belong too. Um, and we all, he doesn't set a bunch of tables all over the room and everybody gets their table. Um, he brings us all to this one spot together. Um, and to the degree to which the body of Christ is divided, it just flies directly in the face of what God intended in the very beginning for his family and his household to be at one place, to be of one mind as it was in Acts, to be of one purpose for him. And so the great news is I belong, which is really good news. Um, and that never changes. But the next part is you belong as well. Each of you and those in Epicenter who are now meeting in different spots and the, the believers aren't meeting anywhere and people down the street and up at First Southern and wherever we go, these people are all gathered together and they all belong too. And then he, he goes beyond that and he goes, my household has a purpose and it's about a work and I'm going to feed you and care for you and love you and join you together in the joining of that I carry out this incredible work, even as we sang, I don't even see what it looks like. I, I'm, I'm not, I don't see it, but God sees it, and he calls us into participation um, with that as well. Cameron, you guys can come make your way up here. Um, tomorrow in the service, um, upper, the Upper Room Church, which will be meeting in here, this building on Sunday nights starting next weekend. They're actually going to be here Sunday morning, and we're going to be um, at this point, we'd be invited, we're going to invite them up here. Um, we're going to pray over them. Um, we're going to serve them communion um, and then participate together. But um, as we just prepare to sing, what I'd like to ask to do is um, to, uh, I'd like to ask you guys to pray for another church, um, somebody else, to pray for somebody else. Actually, we should pray for God's work here because we need prayer. Um, but maybe there's a church that you drive by every day or there's one that you know in the neighborhood here. Um, I'm just going to ask you, just ask God's abundance and blessing and work be poured out on that place. Um, and so let's just do that. Just close your eyes. Um, if, if you think of a place, I would ask that you would stand up and ask God to bless them. Um, let's do that for a couple minutes, and then I will um, bring some direction here for our time. Lord, I would start, I would pray for this fellowship here, um, for all of us and all the things we have in our life and the things that come and that go and that distract us and the things that um, energize our heart as a church body, Lord, as you open up doors of opportunity that um, we would be faithful to care for each other, that we would um, be a church that um, steps into each other's lives and that we'd be faithful in the responsibilities you give to us um, in all the different places we go in the week. Um, increase our worship, our hearts for you, and our um, sense of being a part of your bigger community.
Thank you. 